Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, the mere fact that we have a second service is an exciting thing here at Bridge Church. Uh, We begin the year off uh, wanting to kind of lay out who we are as a church and where we've been. The beauty of having this opportunity in this space is I get a chance to look back at who the church has been when we first started. And uh, beginning this year, Uh, we are going to have a series called Movement, which is really about looking at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, which is the history of the church and the life and times of Jesus. And this sermon here is more or less a state of the church, an opportunity to talk about some things upcoming for the church, transitions, things of that nature, updates and whatnot. But it's always good to look back. I remember when uh, I moved here, February 6th of 2013, didn't know a soul, didn't know anywhere in Brooklyn, didn't know Bed-Stuy from Bensonhurst, didn't really know the meaning, the location. I knew they were different places, praise God. But I didn't know where they were physically. Um, And we just were trying to figure things out. But we knew we wanted to reach people. We had this name Bridge, meaning we just wanted to reach people who were far from God. And we wanted this heartbeat of having a space where people could kind of be in transition, like learning and growing in God. And so I wrote a blog one day, and in this blog, I talked about how we wanted to be a bridge to Brooklyn. And a guy read the blog and said he wanted to come and get connected with me. Well, it was really cool because we had no people. I remember, you know, when you, when you start a church, when you're trying to start a church and you don't know people, it's kind of weird because you meet people in coffee shops. It's almost like you're picking them up. It's like, hey, well, how you doing? You, uh, you got a church or uh, what you into? Pentecostal? I can, I, can get, I, can get, I can get happy now. You know, so you're just trying to like, you don't know how to like talk to people because you're like trying to see people come into a space. And all of a sudden I get this email from this guy, Rich, and Rich ends up coming to Uh, my apartment, and we all get connected, him and his wife, my wife, and we all eat and hang out and relax. And then one time, uh, Emmy, his wife, she said, you know, one time um, my my, my parents, uh, they bought me a uh, cabinet with files in it. And I was like, why would they do such a thing? She was like, well, I love administration. I love organizing things. I was like, oh, praise God, because I'm I'm not, I was like, I was giving water to a man in the desert. I was like, well, praise God. She was like, well, I want to help out in the church. And before we knew it, Rich and Emmy, the first night we met, we have a picture of that. Before we knew it, we were hanging out and we said we ought to do a Bible study together. So this was the the second time we ever hung out. And this was the night that we knew. And that folder actually is the first bridge church anything. That yellow flowery thing is the first bridge church anything. And so before we had a 501c3 and we were just figuring stuff out. So it was just the four of us. And uh, the first Bible study we did, we did uh, where we do backstage pass in a little nursery area, kids area. There's a studio in the basement. So we'd be doing Bible study. And be like, so in the book of James, he'd be like, boo, boo. He'd be like, so 
just nod your head, you know what I'm saying? So it would be just, it was always so weird. But it was like four people, five people. Rich, the first Bible study, it was Rich, Emmy, it was uh, Felicia, it was Ta- Taisha, and then there was Rich's mom and Rich's brother. And I, his whole family could have come as far as I was concerned because at that time, the only qualification to come to Bridge Church was to have a pulse. We was going to call ourselves Pulse Church because I just needed human beings in a space. So, you know, we just wanted to grow and get connected. So before we knew it, well, one person invited another person, invited another person. So about five months later, we had over 50 people coming to the Bible study, right? And so now we're, we're beginning to see a Bible study grow. And, and we can see names and faces of people. There's Carvins in the middle, smiling, all cheesing and whatnot. There's Brandon Bauer right above him, right? Look at Raphael, looking like he's two years old up in that piece. <laughs> Look like a grown man now, huh? Yeah. What a beer. What a beard will do, boy. You know what I'm saying? So all these people, you know, so I didn't know any of them. I didn't know anybody. Like, it was, we didn't have history. Like, we are literally meeting people on the street, and we're growing, and we're getting connected. And before we know it, people are, we have a worship team. It's like, oh, y'all like to sing? You love Jesus? Okay, you're on the worship team. We're just trying to figure stuff out, and we're doing stuff. And then before we know it, we have, we do a 4 o'clock service. Had 185 people at that first service. It was amazing. The second service, I think there were 30 people, but who knows? I think preachers count in twos sometimes, so I don't know how many people there. My, it was de- my heart was full. The room was not, but praise God. It was a great Sunday, that second Sunday. But the reality was, was that people, a lot of our people were just getting connected with the Lord. So coming to church every Sunday wasn't the thing to do yet. So as we started growing before we knew it, the four o'clock started to get packed. Now we have a six o'clock service. So we, have, we do our services at four and six. And, you know, as we have grown as a church, it's really exciting. And yet we're four years old. I was with my kids one time. I was uh, at the park. My daughters were doing backflips and cartwheels. My kids were killing it. You know, my wife played college basketball. I played college football. So my kid did this one backflip. I had dreams of, like, what they were going to become. Don't let the cuteness distract you, praise God. <laughs> you know, but they're doing these backflips and cartwheels. We didn't teach them this stuff. They were doing it on their own. People in the park were coming up to us. Are those your kids? I'm like, yes, they are. You know, and I'm just really excited. I'm all proud, you know, and they're, they were four and five years old. And so we're, I'm walking around just proud of my kids. And they're doing, they're like, Daddy, let me show you another cartwheel. I'm like, do it, baby. And they're just doing another cartwheel. So we go into the bodega, right? We're like, let's get some food, you know? And so they were like, Daddy, can we get some popcorn? I'm like, yeah, we can get some popcorn. You want popcorn? Daddy's got it. You know, y'all are amazing four and five-year-olds. Got you some popcorn. So I made a mistake. And in this mistake, um, I got some, some popcorn. This popcorn is called Pirate's Booty. Now, <laughs> Pirate's, most mature adults know that booty is a treasure that a pirate would be able to get from another boat or, you know, ship. So I guess they called it this because the popcorn isn't a trick. I don't know why it's called Pirate's Booty, but I understood. I didn't even think about it. I was like, you don't want popcorn. So my kid, the minute I put it on the counter, my kid is like, <laughs> Daddy's buying Pirate's Booty. Pirate's Booty. I'm like, chill, chill, chill. 
So then we go on the train, and I promise you, no lie, no exaggeration, they're up in the train, and I promise, they're like, booty pirates, we're booty pirates. I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, oh Jesus, you know. So let's, let's take that picture away. People will lose focus through the rest of this. So my kids were four and five years old, and they have this incredible potential doing backflips, and they're talking about booty pirates at the same time. Sometimes you can forget people are four and five. And sometimes because we're doing two services and we're seeing people come from all types of different walks of life, sometimes we forget we're four years old. And it's exciting. I love it. Every time I see a new person come, every time somebody was like, yo, I didn't know there could be a church like this, Every time someone says, man, I just really feel like I'm growing in ways that I'm so excited and I want to do more, but I believe there is healthy and unhealthy ambition. And I think sometimes doing can precede being. I think sometimes we can put production over his presence. And what I want to do is as we talk about this, the the upcoming plans that we have for the year, I, I want us to keep things I want to keep things in focus. Oftentimes, people who have started a church and parachuted in will ask, how did you do it? And we could talk about worship. We could talk about social media. We talk about preaching. But at the end of the day, our secret sauce is Jesus. We believe Jesus has done all this. And so our heartbeat is to extend Jesus to the world, to Brooklyn. But we don't want to lose focus Because as we extend Jesus to people, we want to make sure each of our people are healthy, that we have healthy ambition. If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The book of Acts, amazing book, it's written by Luke. Luke actually has written a book, one of the Gospels. And so sometimes people would actually call this second Luke. Luke, being a doctor, wrote this with pristine detail. And in writing this, he gives an account of the history of the church and the life and times of Jesus. And he writes in the first chapter in verse 1, he says, In the first book, and speaking about Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all, the, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, one thing to note and reference is that Jesus did not just die on a cross and then resurrect three days later. Jesus died on a cross, resurrected three days later, and then he hung out for 40 days. So one of the convincing proofs of the resurrection of Jesus isn't just that he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead and hung out and let people see him and proved his resurrection, that he was the son of God. But in his resurrection in these 40 days, said he kept talking about one thing. Jesus would continue to talk about the kingdom of God. And this got people excited. I mean, what is this kingdom that you speak of, they had a reference of the kingdom of God based upon the Old Testament. In Isaiah 40, it says, see the Lord, God comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His wages are with him and his reward accompanies him. 
Verse 11, he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads them that are nursing. So understand that what it's saying here about the kingdom, verse 10, he says he comes in with strength and rule. They were waiting on a king that would pick up what they would call the Davidic line or the King David line. King David ruled over Jerusalem and he ruled over Israel and King David would take out other kings. And so they were looking for a king that would come in power and take out all other kingdoms. Now understand this, that the people there, the Jews, they were being oppressed by the Romans. So Jerusalem was their city. It was the city of David. And yet the Romans had taken over. And to, to understand this, this is what people feel, this tension with gentrification. They say, well, this used to be the block of my grandma and my cousin. This used to be our block. That's what colonization does. It's when you take over a space people once had. That's what they did here. And the Jews are like, this is the city of David. No, it's the city of Caesar. And it was in their hearts where they wanted to reestablish the kingdom on earth, a kingdom living out David's line. It says in Isaiah 11, verse six through nine, the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion and the fatted calf will be together and a child will lead them. Verse seven, the cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like cattle and an infant will play with a cobra's pit and a toddler will put his hand in a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain for the land, listen, for the land will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. What it's saying is the son of God will come on earth and he won't just end oppression. He won't just end tyranny. He won't just crush evil. He'll crush all evil. He'll crush all oppression. So it's saying a child playing with a crowbar, a wolf playing with a lamb, meaning all enmity, all strife will be under the hand of the king. There'll be no more problems. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more dying. No more sorrow. You don't have to have a deep theology to know there's something wrong on earth. And every time you say it shouldn't be that way, your heart is yelling for the kingdom. A place where there is no more problems. A place where fathers are walking with sons a place where daughters are connected to mothers, a place where families are connected in the way they should be. And so they are like, yo, where's the kingdom then? Because that's what we want. And in our hearts, that's what we want. We want all the problems to end. We want new presidents in power because we want evil to end. We want new leaders. And so this is what they say. Verse six, so, I mean, you've been talking about this kingdom. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to, look who they say, to Israel? When will we be able to be back in power? When will things be better? When will my family not have to work under the oppression of the Romans? When will persecution end? When will death end? This is what Jesus says. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Jesus says, I love, Jesus didn't say, I don't know what you're talking about. No, don't worry about all that. Jesus says, no, it's a time and a place in the kingdom. 
This is not the time. And this is not the place. What Jesus essentially was saying is, there will be a time where there's no more death, no more dying. There will be a time where the wolf will be with the lamb, where the child will be with the cobra. There will be a time, but this is not now the time. Jesus is the king, but he did not fully usher in the kingdom. The kingdom will come. And we are his kingdom people. And we offer his presence to the world. We offer kingdom-like reality to the world. And where we do, where we are now is we end suffering where there is suffering. We bring families together. We connect the hurting to love. We express the kingdom because we are a part of a kingdom that we've not fully experienced yet. We are kingdom kids, but we don't live in a kingdom reality yet. We are on earth, y'all. Rent is due, praise God. And so life is not fully the way we want it to be. Many of you all know last year we, we raised money to get a building. And in getting, in, in our hope was to be able to establish a space in Flatbush where we could be able to help out schools. Our heartbeat was to move into a community and bless that community. I moved my family out there. Several of the pastors moved out there. And we wanted to really make a change in one community. And you all, those that remember, we put $15,000 down on the building. And then the uh, building, the, the owners decided to end the contract with us. They gave us our money back and they gave the building to someone else. And um, that was a soul wound. Like, that messed me up. Like, I, I had trouble sleeping after that. You know, it was a struggle. I got up here, and I told it, but it was, it was hard. Because we had been working so hard to make sure we were going to be able to make a change in a community. And God did not give us that opportunity. And, you know, one of the craziest things that will happen in your life is when God gives you clear direction, but he doesn't let you meet the destination. It, it'll mess you up. You'll be like, I know, no, no, I know the Lord told me. So, okay, okay, the Lord told me. And people are like, I don't know. And be like, I know, because I know the Lord, so I'm going to do it. And then you do it, and it don't work out. You'll be like, now nah, the Lord told me, though, because <laughs> 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 he's good, though. And sometimes the Lord will let you be sanctified publicly. And the Lord gave us opportunity because I'd do it again. I'd do it again. No, no, even no, just knowing what I knew then, I would do it again. Because if you, you know, you're in a, this quagmire because if, you know, if you don't say anything, you get safe, but you don't raise the money. If you raise the money, you got to put it out there. It's just like this catch-22. So we took a risk. And risks, healthy, a healthy risk for God's glory is a good thing. So, so yeah, we, we took that risk. But I look back at something like this and I realize that what the people wanted more than anything else was a temple, a temple to establish the name, you know, the kingdom, the reality. And, and you know, I feel that heartbeat with the building, like, man, we wanted this building. And, and not that a building is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. And, and don't get me wrong, we were still looking for a building. But God laid something in my heart 
The, uh, the cathedral in Notre Dame is the most visited monument in the world. Most visited monument in the world. 12 million people visit it every year. And when you go, you can't help but look around. It's actually a church building. You, know, you look around, it's amazing. And then you leave. You come and you go and you leave. And I believe that God has us in a place where he will not allow us to just have people come, go, and leave. But I believe God has us in a place now where you ever go over to like your homeboy's house, right? And you meet his mom and you're sitting there at the table and you're just like, hey, Miss Jenkins, how you doing? She's like, you gonna help set the table? Hmm? You're like, oh yeah, you know, I wanna help out. Like there is this reality, like you, you can remain small enough and real enough to know that like there's a space that you get into, like we want you to be a part of a family, not just to be a visitor, you know what I mean? Like we don't want you to just be, to, 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 to be served, but we want you to serve and to be a part of what we're doing. And I believe this is the word that God laid on my heart, that God wanted us to realize that we are a movement to join, not a monument to look at. That God has us in this season pre literally preventing us, even though he's putting this on our heart, he has prevented us from moving into the things that we would love to do. You know, y'all the six o'clock service, y'all the turned up service. Y'all, I don't know what y'all, I don't know what y'all did early today, but y'all generally come in turned up at six o'clock. Well, we started this, we started this service, we started this, we start, I know, turned up for Jesus. We, 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 we started this service, we started this service kicking and screaming. I did. I didn't want to do a six o'clock. I want to be home. <laughs> I want to be home, sleep, praise God. But I love you guys, and I love doing a six o'clock service because of the people. So we, we, as the service began to fill up, somebody came to me and said, what are we going to do now? I was like, we're not doing an 8 o'clock service, all right? I'm going home. I'm going home. Y'all can do an 8 o'clock service. I'm going home. Praise the Lord. You see, when you see greatness in something, you think opportunity immediately. But sometimes we don't think health. Sometimes we don't think limits. And this is what the text goes on to say. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what the Lord said there is that what's going to happen is, no, you won't be this stagnant group. You will be a movement, and it will be established in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and this will be based on the fact that the Holy Spirit is working through people, not just a building, but people. And so this movement that the Holy Spirit established in people, this is the movement that we're a part of, of seeing lives change. Whenever you see somebody get baptized here, whenever you see somebody's growing, that's not because Bridge Church has something unique. It's because the Holy Spirit is still on the move. He's moving. He's moving in people's lives. And the Holy Spirit will be moving even if we're not moving, Right? but we are here for now. Let me give you some details and some facts to go over as to give you updates on the church. As I mentioned, <clears throat> when we wanted to move to, uh, when we were moving to Flatbush, we had a building. The rent there was $15,000 a month. 
So we had raised $312,000 for that building. We still have that $312,000. We have not touched it because we are still expectant for God to move. Joshua Lance Edney guards it with his heart and soul. He gives you the death stare. Sometimes I'll be like, can I get a computer? He'll be like, man, I'll kill you. I'm like, come on, man. Just wanted a computer, dog. So, so we, we raised that money last year, the money that you helped support and raise, and we just, we just have believed that God is going to do something, but we don't know. We don't know where God has us right now. Um, <clears throat> let me just tell you some of the challenges that we face in this. For a church our size, um, we've begun to look at spaces even outside of Flatbush, We've been committed to that community, but we've also realized that maybe we just need to open up our minds to other opportunities, other spaces. So we've looked at buildings that we wouldn't have to go in there doing three services, but that would seat anywhere between three and 500 people. To date, um, all the buildings we've seen would be $9 million to buy. It would be $25,000 a month to rent. Oftentimes we get the question, what about schools and theaters? What about churches? And there's a very, uh, those are very good questions. The reality is, is that <clears throat> something you have to know about this space we're in now. 98 Fifth Avenue, this space here, we secure every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. We have a, a storage, which is in the parking lot, and we have a parking lot. We get all that for $3,700 a month to do two services here. So if we do a school, praise God, we now have to now secure a storage facility and a U-Haul and a team to be able to rent a, a U-Haul every Sunday to get our stuff. And then we have a setup that would happen in that space. Not saying we'd never do it, it's just the reality, a consequence of moving. So when you think space, there's other details that go along with it, amen? We also have to consider that in this space, we have Atlantic Avenue Station, nine subway services here, and the busiest station in Brooklyn. So it allows people to come from all over the city. And some of you came from all over the city today, and you're able to get off at Atlantic Ave. And so we feel this tension with that. So what, what's up with the building? A question I get a lot. Um, the reality is, is that we are, have a posture of surrender when it comes to the building. God has placed on our hearts to continue to grow as a church, but the reality is, is that right now, we are waiting for God to reveal to us. I would love to tell you something. You know, you, you ever feel this pressure when somebody asks you a question, just almost like make up something to sound good, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying, we looking, but we found something. I, we, honestly, right now, we're trusting God. God has just not revealed that to us yet. And we're trusting him, um, and we're believing God for great things. Tell you real quick, we actually uh, considered doing a third service at 11 o'clock, and we looked at a space, and um, once we looked at that space, we just said, okay, we're going to look at this space. And literally the next week, the place closed down. And we were like... God is for us and the devil is against us? What's really happening here? Like, we were just like, gosh, what is going on? And, we, and it literally, in that moment, we said, God has just got us a place of stillness. That's 
We just, we just gotta, we just gotta wait on God. We're not gonna, we're not gonna react. We're not gonna react. We're gonna respond to God. So be patient with us as God is um, revealing to us. We'll give you updates as we get information ourselves. But we have a real estate agent, and um, he looks, and they're they're a great real estate agent, but. <laughs> <laughs> on Tuesday, when they say a building's $9 million, guess what? On Thursday, they're going to say another building's $9 million. Like, as great real estate agents as we have, the, the market is the market, and it's, it's a tough market out here. So, um, But God is bigger than the market, mm-hmm. and God is greater than this market. So we're just trusting him. Um, I do want to reiterate, though, we're doing a 4 and 6 o'clock service in perpetuity. It might get packed in here, praise God. We're not doing 8 o'clock service. I just want to reiterate this because sometimes people don't hear what I'm trying to say. We're not doing 8 o'clock service, and we're not doing a Saturday night service. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) In verse 4, it says, while he was with them, Jesus was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So look what, look what he says. He says, yo, I want you to do great things. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, he says all that. But he says, wait a minute. Don't you dare go to Jerusalem without the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare go on mission for me without my power and my presence. Don't you dare try to do great things for God without the great God and his presence and his power. Oh, because one of the things that happens is we put the mission of God above the power of God. And then whenever you perceive the mission of God greater than the power of God, you end up in this space like, oh, my God, what's happening in my life? I'm going crazy, right? You, you, you're overwhelmed because you're not soaring on his wings, You're not filled with his power. And so we are making sure as a church that we remember 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Paul says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. What Paul says is you're looking for the temple. You are the temple. You are the temple. You are where the power of the Holy Spirit lives. And so in light of that, in no way do we want to communicate that a building is a bad thing. We think it's a great thing. But we believe that God has prevented us from moving into a space and allowed us to awaken our eyes to one reality. We want to make sure our people are as healthy as possible as we serve. Each one of us. And so there are certain, uh, there are certain things that we are looking to do. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. Our heartbeat is that people would serve out of the abundance of of their relationship with God, out of the overflow of their relationship with God, and not just serving to serve, not just doing a lot. And so we will be doing less this year. We're doing less activity, and we'll be doing more care and connection for our people, making sure that they are as healthy as possible, as built up as possible, one of the things that we'll, we're doing in city groups is that we're expanding opportunity and shrinking roles. What this essentially means is, is that what we've normally had is two city group leaders, and you know they, they kind of piggyback off one another. But what if you have a bad day? 
Like then you've got to come into city group and it's, it's weighing on you and you've got all this depth and now you've got to connect with people. And, but the reality is, is that we're trying to make more roles so that there can be more people, one person focusing on food, one person focusing in on the discussion, one person focusing on hosting. So that way we don't have to have two people or one person doing everything, wearing them down. And so we're working with our city group leaders now because that's where we really want to see a lot of expansion is in our city group ministry. In light of that, one of the things that we also did was before we started looking out at our teams and looking at how healthy they were and our leaders, we looked at ourselves as pastors. One of the things that, uh, as we discussed that, Rich Bowman uh, mentioned and acknowledged that <coughs> his uh, issues with anxiety had started back up. If you know Rich, you know that he has struggled with anxiety, anxiety attacks. He has talked about that in different sermons. He's talked about how God has uh, been able to just bless him and strengthen him. And then one day we were talking and he had talked about how much these attacks started coming back. And he just was overwhelmed and he, we started talking about how he had to do less. And he almost, he basically said he, wondered if he was failing me or failing the church. What I acknowledge is you're never failing the church or failing God when you're honest with where you're at. You do less of a service to be an anxiety-filled pastor than a person who is just operating in the spirit and, and allowing time off and just getting reconnected to God. And so we made a tough decision and it's a decision that was uh, up to Rich. It wasn't anything that we said coming down from us. But this year, uh, Rich and Emmy will cycle off of being pastors at Bridge Church. And um, Rich will become a pastor in the lowercase sense. And what I mean by that is pastoring is a gift. Just because you have a title, just because you have a title don't mean you're a pastor. And just because you don't have a title don't mean you're not a pastor. Pastoring is about shepherding people. You cannot, if you have a gift and you love God, you can't stop yourself from doing the things that God has called you to do. So the title does not indicate the function, right? So we believe that Rich will be healthier, stronger. I wonder if you guys would give a round of applause for Rich and Emmy Bowman. I could drop the beat now. <laughs> now um, thank you, James, just for sharing all that. Um, just wanted to say thank you to all of you, uh, definitely to James, Tarsh, um, Robertsons, all the elders, your families, um, everybody who's just invested in me. You know, that first picture that went up there, um, that was a much younger us. Um, it was uh, light years away from who I am right now. Um, it's only been you know, five or six years, but I feel like I've matured double that. Mm. Um, so definitely just want to thank you all for that opportunity to, to serve you all and lead. Um, and even though I may not be over you, I'm always going to be next to you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I still got it. You know? Yeah, I see. I felt it. I felt it. And you uh, set that up too. I felt yeah. the intonation. You know it was dope. Um, 
Nah, but I, you know, just thank you all. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. Um, just pray for us, you know, just as your brother and your sister up here. Um, you guys know, you know, one of my first sermons, I had my EKG up there from the emergency room, you know, so it's no, I've, it's no secret that I've been going through um, a lot of things with panic and anxiety and things like that. And so just be praying for us as, you know, we take some time to just get healthy um, and, uh, and just thank you. You know, we're still going to be here. We're not going nowhere. Bridge Church, you know what I'm saying, on my chest. Um, so, yeah, just thank you all. Appreciate y'all. Great. Thank you. It's not, it's not the same as Tarsha, right? It's like, it's like all weird. Yeah. Love you, man. All right, a couple other things I just want to mention. The other thing that we're doing this year, um, so um, uh, Josh and I will, uh, and Janelle will be helping to oversee city groups now. We are making sure uh, we are checking in with our city group leaders on a weekly basis and, and, and making sure that they're healthy and not overwhelmed. And uh, we really do need city groups to continue to expand. So in light of that, one of the other things that we've done a lot here at this church is we've always had like affinity-based groups. So we've had the men get together and the women get together and the families get together. But all that at times comes at a cost, a cost of a weekend or a Saturday, cost of staff, not, not necessarily the financial side, but the, the human resource, that element. And so what we've decided to do was this year, we want to focus more on intersection versus addition. Okay, intersection, not addition, meaning we don't want to add more things to our plate, but we want to intersect at places that we already have activity happening. So what we want to do is on Sundays, pretty much where we get most of our people, even while we're making these announcements now, is because we, uh, we, we want to be able to integrate uh, our authentic manhood and our authentic sisterhood into our Sundays as well. So we'll have time where we speak on men's topics and we'll maybe have a men's panel and have men meet upstairs. Things We're still putting the plans together. Uh, also for women, um, we will be integrating that into Sundays as well. And so we'll have uh, women communicating, leading, and, and, and up there we'll have a panel or we'll have a panel here. We're, we're, we're putting that together. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're talking about subjects that are for men and for women, and we are talking about them on Sundays and letting people connect as well. Regarding families, we have been doing a family gathering on the weekends, but we really feel like Sundays is one of the best times to uh, get our families together. So we'll be having uh, family hangouts. Those will be happening on Sundays. Our first one will be February 10th. And that will be upstairs. It'll be right after church. We'll have some food after church. We're going to be offering a book to our families. It's a book called The Tech Wise Family, dealing with social media and iPhones and things of that nature. And so we want to offer that to our families so that they can get connected. That will happen on a monthly basis. The authentic manhood, authentic sisterhood. At this point, we don't have an, uh, a rhythm that we're establishing yet, but we want those to be integrated into our Sundays as well. In light of that, one of the uh, things that we uh, realized when we were talking, one of our pastors who oversee, uh, was overseeing our family gatherings and he was our next step pastor uh, is Omar Fernandez. Omar and his beautiful family, we have that family up there. <laughs> A lot of cuteness happening there. Um, 
Omar was overseeing many of those endeavors and, um, and Omar, uh, the, you know, Omar, while raising support. So one thing to note is that um, many of our pastors, uh, Rich, Rasul, Omar, uh, and uh, 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 Josh, they all raised, <laughs> they all, <laughs> six o'clock service, I'm telling you, boy. Um, but they all raised their support to be able to uh, serve. And so Omar as well raised up his support to be able to serve here. And in raising up his support, uh, it, it's just difficult to raise support for four children in Brooklyn, right? So in doing that, he ended up getting a job. And then the brother decided to be really good at the job, and they gave him a promotion, praise God. And so... So there, there came this tension last year of working the job and serving here, and um, we wanted to unleash him and not make him in any way feel that he had to be, uh, I mean, he'll still be in ministry, he'll still be at our church, but uh, Omar and Nancy will be cycling off of the pastoral role, and they'll be a, still a part of our church in our community. I wonder if you'd give it up for Omar and Nancy. <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's been an incredible two years. You know, um, God brought us here with uh, all these visions and dreams, and so many other visions and other dreams have come to pass. He's been very, very faithful, very loving, very kind to us, and he's shown us so many things about himself and how much he, he loves our family and how he's provided for us. It's, it's just been an incredible ride, and then meeting you all has been just like a blessing beyond blessing in my life and in my wife's life. And, and I just want to give a few shout-outs and a few thanks, and I'm out. <laughs> uh, not out, out, but, you know, like James said, I'm still going to be here, so I'm not going nowhere. I'm still British Church for life. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but, but, yeah, but, but obviously God, you know, he has shown us, like I said, incredible um, just love and outpouring of who he is. And, you know, th there's nothing that I can say that, that is worthy to, for, of his name as far as, like, thanks to him. It's just been incredible. So, of course, shout out to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, like an award show, you know. Yeah. Uh, He's helpful, yes. But, yeah, but other than that, like, the first person that popped to my mind to thank is, of course, my bride. Um, she has been... She has been my, my ride or die, just an incredible encouragement. Followed her husband's lead as God was leading me to come and be a part of what God was doing here in New York City. You know, left house and cars and, you know, and money to come here and be impoverished, you know what I'm saying, for, for a season, for a season. You know, shout out to the, you know, promotion that I just got. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're on our way out of that. <laughs> so, so it's, been, it's been incredible to serve with her, and I, I love seeing her serve the church and serve you guys in incredible ways. And uh, she's been an incredible wife during this season. So I just want to give a public shout-out also to Steve Cantor. He's not here right now, but he was here for a service. And uh, so Steve, if y'all don't know, was highly instrumental. He was, like, the main person that God used to bring me and, and my family here to New York City through the North American Mission Board. That's how we, we've been serving uh, uh, this, this time here. And of course, my brother, my friend, 
loved one, Pastor James. Uh, there's nothing, I mean, there, there's so much I can say, man. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, your, your baby church of two years at the time, uh, you allowed us to come in and invade your church and be part of your leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was a monumental thing for us. And I know that it took a lot of faith on your end to do that. So thank you, my friend. And, and I love you. I appreciate you. And, and I look forward to, to serving with you uh, moving forward. And, and of course, y'all, like, like y'all family, y'all know that. <laughs> and, and listen, y'all. I love y'all to death, and like for anybody that, that has ever like followed my leadership as I've been, <laughs> I love y'all, but for anybody that's followed my leadership as a pastor here, anybody that's received counsel from me, encouragement from, from me and from us, uh, you know, you guys, um, it's been a pleasure to serve you in that way, and um, I, I just so appreciate how God has used me in your lives, and, and by the way, have, how he's used so many of you in my life, in my wife's life, in the lives of our children. Yeah, we love y'all so much, and we look forward to walking alongside you as healthy members of the church, all right? Appreciate you, Bob. Okay, so uh, in closing, a couple things I just want to say. Here's, here's, here's what I really want you guys to hear. If you serve at our church, don't feel you need to over-serve, Right? Don't feel you have to be a part of a lot of different spaces. But if you're not serving, I don't want you to think I'm not serving on a team. I want you to think I'm actually not helping a person, right? That's different because when you say, oh, I don't want to be on a team, that means that you're putting more weight on other people, right? So if I were to literally try to lift up a big weight and I had seven people help me, it lightens the load. If I do it myself, it becomes a harder load for me. That's why we're trying to do everything via teams. We won't just do things based on an idea. We're going to do things based upon teams. And that's what we're going to be rolling out more as established teams throughout the entire church. One other last announcement, and um, I feel the need to say this. So we've communicated a lot in a little space and uh, there are two spirits you can have. You ever uh, do something on Google? You know, when you try to find something on Google and you put the word like beautiful and you spell it wrong and Google's like, did you mean this? And they say it right, right? But then um, you put the word beautiful in like, uh, uh, you know, on your iPhone and it's like, do you want to pick up some eggs? You know, it just completely changes what you wanted to say. Well, to be clear, what we're communicating is meant for the health of our church but how you communicate it is more important. If you have an autocorrect spirit, you will totally mistranslate everything we just said. If you have a Google spirit, you'll help us along in the process. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right. So I want to I also say, lastly, that um, I believe I have a dynamic team. And even with uh, Omar and uh, Rich, Cycling off, I still believe God has given me a dynamic team with, with Josh and Rasul. One of the things that the Bible talks about is if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Earlier this year, literally, we were talking with Rich, and Rich was like, man, I'm going through things, and we're talking, and, and then Rasul and I were talking, and, and I said, Rasul, man, you, you're too smart not to, like, you should be, like, writing books. And he's like, I know, but you know what I'm saying? I just, I don't know. And so it was like, well, you should get a PhD, man. You should get a PhD. He was like, I should. And he looked at me like how I could help. And I was like, that's a prayer request because I can't, can't help you 
outside of my soul, my heart, I believe in you, dog. But um, so we had this like, you know, just really believe he could do more because of his skill set. And uh, any of you that know Rasul, he is just an information factory filled with great information and insight. And um, well, later on in the year, a gentleman came up here who was starting a campus for Reformed Theological Seminary. He approached Rasul and he asked him, you know, what do you think about seminary? And I'm not sure what Rasul said, but I don't even know how the conversation went. All I know is that same man told me, we got to get Rasul Berry in education. He's too smart, too educated. We got to get him in. I said, you, when he said we, I was like, you do. Yes, you, <laughs> you do. Reformed Theological Seminary has offered Rasul Berry a full scholarship. <laughs> This is one step we believe on to getting a PhD. And so um, I wonder if you'd stand with me. Russell, why don't you come on up here? Just want to pray with you. Why don't we bring the worship team on up? As Russell begins school this semester, 16 credits, 16 credits. Um, So he's going to be cranking it out. Russell will not be overseeing any teams. He will be preaching here, amen. Uh, with, with, with Rich not preaching, Russell will increase his preaching, but he'll really be focused on uh, school, preaching, and people. He'll still be a part of a city group. But I wonder if you'd uh, right now pray for Rasul, pray for Rich, pray for Omar, their families, as they all are embarking on great things. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for Rasul. Thank you for his mind. Thank you for the way that you have just made him and given him skill and depth of insight. God, would you unleash him onto the world, God? Use his mind, use his energy, use his focus. God, I pray that, I pray that when we go places, we could say, I know him. Not because he's great, but because he's allowing himself to be used by you, God. Unleash him, God. Lord, we lift up rich to you. We pray against that anxiety, God. We pray healing over his life, God. We pray that you would just crush the attack of the enemy over his life, God. We pray for abundance in his life, God. I pray for overflow in his life, God. We pray, God, that he would continue to find his fit. You would use him in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, shower him right now in the mighty name of Jesus with your peace and your presence. And God, we pray for Omar. Thank you for his family. God, you are our provider. Continue to provide for him. Use them as a family. And God, I thank you. I thank you. I get to be a part of a church that when a pastor is transitioning, it's not bad news. It's good news. It's good news. Thank you for that good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.